Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Good morning and welcome to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Randy Carriker. I am Michelle Smallman. It's great to have you with us. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Randy. How are you today? I'm doing just great. Ready for another exciting day of weather here in St. Louis. Apparently, we're going to have severe hail tonight. Just want everybody to be aware. Put your car in the garage. <laughs> Thank you for that tip, Randy. Yeah. You know, we give you sports without sports. We give you weather. I mean, we give you everything here yeah. at Character and Smallman. Uh, we, one of these days, once we get traffic back, we could uh, bring the jet copter up to the morning and we could do a traffic report for uh, the listeners of Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. And then we could do weather and we could do traffic and weather together. I look forward to that because I know people have been missing the chopper. It's a sta- staple of morning radio too, right? It really is. You're right, Randy. There is nothing going on in sports except for the fact that the Los Angeles Angeles Rams revealed their new uniforms yesterday, and they were summarily and widely panned by the social media audience. Number one, what do you think? You, you are more artistic than I am. I'm, I'm colorblind, although I see blue and yellow well. I'm, okay, I'm more okay. red-green colorblind, uh, but I'm not. You go to the art museum. I'm, I'm not much, much of an art museum guy. So uh, you can weigh in here with the more gravitas than I can about the the look of the Rams uniforms. So when the NFL, Jerry Jones, Stan Kroenke, decided to rip the Rams from St. Louis, mm-hmm. one of the things that I kind of braced myself for was, okay, at the end of the day, you're going to have to at some point probably reconcile that they're going to have success out there. You know, this is a a big market. The NFL is behind this and they're going to put a lot of resources into making this endeavor succeed. But to my joy and surprise, Randy, you know, I don't have to root for them to fail because they're doing a great job all on their own. It's like they took every piece of advice that was given to them from Jerry Jones and from uh, any other iconic NFL franchises and they just threw it out the window and said, hold my beer. We're going to do it our own way. I mean, these are terrible. The Rams have some of the most iconic uniforms in the history of the NFL. You could pull the the whites. You could pull the greatest show on turf colors. They, they have so many classic options that they could choose from and to think that they had a big group of people that probably got paid a lot of money to not only design this but to sit around and approve it, and they said, yep, this is what we're doing, is hilarious to me. Now, you might think, well, Randy and Michelle are not really uh, an objective audience here, that they are people that hate the Rams, and we do. We'll freely admit that. But Eric Dickerson is a Rams Hall of Famer, and he's supposed to like them. I think he does like them. But here's Eric Dickerson's take on these new Rams uniforms. Like I told them, I said, man, look, this is football. This ain't nothing to do with surfing. This ain't nothing to do with waves. This is football. This is a man's sport. 
And to me, it just looks soft. It don't look football. It don't look hard. I just don't like the, the stripe around the, the, the sleeve. It's not big enough. It almost looks like a lightning bolt, like the Chargers uniform. I don't like the stripe down the pants. I wish it was bigger. And the horn, man, it's horrible. I just feel like they really took away from the Rams uniform. And, and it looks like almost like a Charger logo. It looks like a banana. It looks like two bananas. Is what it looks like. <laughs> All right. Thank you, E.D., for that review. I am going to say that I, I don't absolutely 100% hate the home ones, although I agree with him. I think the stripes are stupid. But who came up with the unwashed, and he mentioned the surfing, so the the off-white or the um, perhaps peed-in-their-pants white <laughs> is kind of, uh, well, it looks like they didn't put it in the washer, and it looks like it's developed. When I was a kid, I got a, a Packers jersey with an iron-on number. Okay. And the road jerseys look like they have iron-on numbers. It, they're unbelievably bad. It's There's some really bad in sports. The dark gray of the Arizona Diamondbacks is yeah, horrific. Not good. And they've got the gradient stuff, too, trying to be new and exciting. And that just doesn't work. In the NFL, you've either got a dark jersey or a white jersey. You don't have something in between. And this is stupid. It is stupid. I was trying to pinpoint what I think they look like. And you can kind of help me workshop this, Randy. But doesn't it look like if there was a Disney movie or maybe an after-school special and it was about unity and you had to have the jocks who were kind of tough, but they were mean, and you had to show them playing football, that that's what it would look like. It looks like little kids, but but kind of yeah. jerk little kids that are playing in these uniforms. Like the numbers look ironed on. It looks it looks very suspect. The other blue jerseys with the kind of ombre gradient yellow to white numbers. Really? Well, Did we need that? And have we ever seen a ram, an animal, the ram, at the zoo or at Grant's farm that had a broken horn? It looked like two bananas. It like. <laughs> yeah, it's, why do you have the broken horn? It doesn't make any sense at all. Maybe it's an homage to how much money Stan Kroenke is losing on this new stadium deal. <laughs> that might be. That could be. Now, I'm going to give him credit for one thing. Okay. I was never a huge fan of the navy blue helmets with the royal blue jerseys. To have the yes. helmet actually match the jersey now, that's the one positive that I think they can take out of this. How long do you think that they'll keep these? They have to keep them for at least three years. At least three years. Yeah. You don't think that they can make a tweak here or there throughout that time? The league allow, has allowed them. They've given them a lot of latitude that other teams don't get mm -hmm. to make changes. So perhaps they can make tweaks like, tweaks, like perhaps they can fix the ram horn. But as far as having the gradients and having the bases here, this foundation... They can't change. But here's one thing Kevin Demoff said yesterday. We saw San Diego, the, the, the Chargers, the L.A. Chargers. They have five new jerseys. And one thing Demoff pointed out was, well, we wanted to have only two to give us options because probably they knew they had screwed up. So that what they'll do is they'll introduce an alternate jersey next year and probably wear that most of the time that the fans actually like. Um, I'm pulling up the Chargers uniforms because... Uh, what was it, a week, two weeks ago yep. when the Chargers revealed their new uniforms, pretty much universally applauded yeah. for how good they were. And while I don't think that when this new stadium opens that the uniforms are really going to make people want to buy Chargers tickets more than more than Rams tickets, it has to kind of be something that's sticking in their craw that the Chargers, their new 
tenants, their new homemates, are getting love for their uniforms while they're getting panned for theirs. And by all accounts, the Chargers listened to their few fans, Mm -hmm. and the Rams didn't listen to their constituents. They didn't listen to the people that are spending money on them. They're just trying way too hard, you know, to say, oh, we're going to reveal our new colors and they're they're Rams royal and soul because it's an homage to the beach. And we don't we don't need all that. Okay, to Eric Dickerson's point, this is football. Just go with go with what's classic. Go with what works. It's just it's not that difficult, especially if you wanted to make an homage to those great L.A. Rams teams of the past. If you wanted to in any way tie in your history or in any way endear yourself to the quote L.A. Rams fans out there, that would have been the play. Take take a page from the old playbook and and bring back some history to kind of um, cement the fact that the Rams were in L.A. at some point. Michelle, here's what Arash Markazi wrote this morning, columnist for the L.A. Times. Though the Lakers and Dodgers may occasionally tinker with their uniforms, they understand and appreciate their history and what the symbols mean to the city. The Rams have never understood or appreciated their history in Los Angeles and what their classic uniform and horns mean to their fans. They didn't need to reimagine something. The fans just wanted their Rams back. Iconic uniforms at all. Nothing more, nothing less. There you go. You said it. it. But he said it more eloquently than I could. But absolutely. But they don't... That's To say those things from me, from Arash, we're suggesting that they actually care what the fans think. And they don't. No, clearly. And they They haven't ever since... Opening day of the baseball season 2010, 10 years ago, when Stan Kroenke took control of the franchise, they have not cared one whit about what the people, their customers, think. <laughs> they do not. Um, yeah. But, hey, you know, it's, it's like um, when the classic new boss comes in and wants to fire a bunch of people mm-hmm. and rearrange departments and put their stamp on it. They want to put their stamp on it. They want to look back at those uniforms and be like, oh, that was the, the yeah. demo era. That was the Sneed era, etc. And OK, by all means, you do that. You and your ego can can sit back and claim these uniforms while everyone laughs at you. By the way, before we get to other things going on in the world of sports, did you see Les Sneed at all during the draft? He looks like Buddy Holly now. He's got Buddy Holly glasses and hair. He looks just like Buddy Holly. Except Buddy Holly's dead. But but like Buddy Holly did before he got on the airplane. I feel like you can't say that unless we play the Weezer song. <laughs> <laughs> like you say that and I just hear Weezer in my head. Weezer, thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up, always. Okay, good. Hey, Michelle, Ron DeSantis is the governor of Florida. Yesterday we heard about Arizona opening up for pro sports and their governor saying, come on down, let's play. Ron DeSantis is the governor of Florida. And yesterday... He said the same thing about his state. All these professional sports um, are going to be welcome in Florida. That may not be the case in every other state in this country, as we've seen. And so what I would tell commissioners of leagues is if you have a team in an area where they just won't let them operate, we'll find a place for you here in the state of Florida uh, because we think it's important and we know that, that it can be done safely. Are you taking, if you're the Cardinals mm-hmm. and the stay-at-home order is still in place here for the club when they're supposed to start spring training. You going back down to Jupiter? I think it's certainly something you should be discussing. I think so, too. If we're sitting here on Thursday, May 14th, and two states that have come out publicly and said, hey, hey, baseball, hey, professional sports, we're open for business, are Florida and Arizona, where you have 
you know, professional baseball facilities in Florida and Arizona, I should, should think that a lot of phone calls are being made today. And DeSantis didn't really welcome the NHL, but he specifically mentioned bringing pro soccer, MLS, baseball, and basketball to Florida. During non-pandemic times, all of these sports would be in season at this time of year, so he'd like to get them get there and up and running quickly if they could and if they want to. I would, too. I'm, I'm with the mayor. I would love to get it up and running quickly if they want to. Yeah, and I think it's a smart move, especially because those are your two spring training sites. Mm-hmm. And if you've got Florida, like Dan Schulman told us last week, you probably will have those borders closed between Canada and the United States. Yep. Well, now the Blue Jays know that they can come down to Dunedin, play their home games there, and they can participate. Any franchise that trains in Florida or even doesn't train in Florida, any franchise that can't play, as he said, in their home state or their home ballpark now has an opportunity to go to Florida and play. And we talk about restricting travel, too. And you spent time in Jupiter many times, but especially this season. Aren't where a lot of the players stay and uh, the facilities, et cetera, they're all pretty much relatively in a close proximity, yes. right? Mm-hmm. So it's not, well, you have players who already know where they would be staying because they were just there a couple months ago. You have the staff who knows where they would be staying. They're familiar with the facilities. It's it's walkable or a quick drive away. So it seems like once they would get there, it's something that they could stay there for a while. Well, and all of the big money players have a residence there. A uh, couple of guys, Goldschmidt just moved there, but Wayno, Yachty, all those guys have a residence there that they can just go and set up shop and be ready to rock and roll. Sounds great. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and this is Karakrin Smallman on 101 ESPN. 101 ESPN presents Play Gloria, the St. Louis Blues run to the cup every Thursday and Friday night. Hear the replay of two classic games from the Blues 2019 historic run to the cup. Relive each game with added insight and behind-the-scenes commentary from Chris Kerber, Alex Ferrario, and Joy Vitale. Tonight, the Blues and Sharks, Game 3, the hand-pass game. Pre-game at 6, play-by-play at 7. Play Gloria. The St. Louis Blues Run to the Cup is brought to you by Mitsubishi Electric Cooling and Heating. And we're going to talk about what that hand pass game meant next on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Timo Meyer to the goal. Shot blocked away. Trickles to the circle. In front of the net to Nyquist and they've scored. Carlson on the doorstep puts it in. And the San Jose Sharks win in overtime. 5-4 with 14.37 to go in overtime. It might be a hand pass here, Curbs. Timo, it's a hand pass, 100%. Joey Vitale saw it. Michelle, as you know, and I think people that have been listening to me for a long time know, one of the bad things about me being in this business is that there is the potential, or at least has been in the past, for me to go down during the Stanley Cup playoffs, and if uh, an opposing player injures a member of the Blues, while I'm interviewing said opposing player, I could conceivably punch them. (laughs) And that could happen with officials, too. And that Mm -hmm. certainly could have happened last year. After that goal, game three between the Blues and the Sharks in the uh, Western Conference Finals, Joey Vitale called it. Everybody in the world saw it. And good well, for Randy, Ar- not everybody. <laughs> That's true. Not everybody. Everybody except the officials. <laughs> uh, credit, first of all, to Doug Armstrong for going down and pounding on the officials' door after they blew that one for the Blues. You know, everybody loves and respects Doug Armstrong, but in that moment, we were he was one of us. He was. You know, he yeah. rage blackout, angry, demanding answers. Explain yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> and they wouldn't. Now, 
if you don't remember the details of this game, it was 2 nothing Sharks after a period. The Blues bounce back. Steen scores in the first 118 of the second, but then Joe Thornton makes it 3-1. So it's looking bad. But Tarasenko scores before the second period was out. Oh, actually, early in the second period at 4.05. Then Perron ties it up at 16.03 of the second and gives the Blues the lead late in the second period. And with Jordan Biddington between the pipes, we're thinking, oh, Blues have all the momentum. This game's <laughs> over. But with a sixth attacker at 18.59 of the third, that pest Logan Couture scores his 14th of the playoffs. Mm. Ridiculous. And ties it at four. And then you heard the goal by Eric Carlson, the hand pass from Timo Meyer to give San Jose the victory. And after the game, down in the locker room, the Blues players, unbeknownst to the media, had been told by their head coach, Craig Bruby, hey, let's put this one behind us and let's just move forward. And so we go down there and the players are unusually serene. Here's Colton Pareko. Yeah, it's frustrating, but we're all human, I guess. I mean, we don't, we don't really, it's tough. I mean, they're, they're doing their best, too. So it's an opportunity for us to bounce back in game four. Well, I thought we played well, really good game. We kind of started good. Second half of the first, we kind of deviated away a little bit from our game. But after that, we, we got to our game, and we had a lot of chances, continued to press, and we, we had a good comeback and took the lead. So I like that aspect of the whole game, and uh, game four should be good. Okay, so I'm thinking, why the face? Why are they acting like this? This is, <laughs> this, is uh, this is unusually happy for this group, for a group that just lost a devastating game and fell behind in the series, and now they're they're facing. Heck, hey, we have been through this before. Mm-hmm. We have seen uh, Chris Pronger get hit in the chest against Detroit. We have seen Grant Fewer get run into by Nick Kiprios and tear up his knee. We have seen so much heart. We've seen Mark Bergevin throw the puck into his own net. We've seen so much playoff heartbreak for the Blues. This is what is going to lead to the Blues losing in this playoff. I So, Randy, you and I watched these games together at Enterprise Center in the press box. And when Couture tied it with 61 seconds left after they pulled Martin Jones, and then they in- inevitably lost, or I should say eventually lost, on a hand pass, I didn't go down to the locker room. I had to do the morning show, and I was just despondent because, to your point, I was like, well, this is it. This is going to be one of those things where we look back on it and say, this team had a chance to do it, and they were robbed. Something ch- shifted the momentum that was outside of of their control, and we're going to just put it on the list. Put it on the list with all these other things that have caused Blue's heartbreak. I drove home in silence. I was furious. I was so <laughs> upset. And then I came in the morning, and Bernie and I were going through the sound, and I started hearing players saying, I hear Colton Pareko sounding like it's Sunday morning. You know, like nothing really had happened. I see Petro saying, you know, with a little slight jab at the officials, but essentially saying, we're moving on from that. Barubi, we're moving on from that. All the other players with the same message. And I thought, Wait a second. Are they not as upset about this as I am? Are they not as upset? Are they not as affected by this as St. Louis is right now? And that's when I realized that Craig Berube had done the impossible. Mm-hmm. He had come in and in half a season, probably less, gotten these guys so in tune with him and his messaging and one another that when he goes in the locker room and you said it much more. Um, politely than I'm sure he said it. I'm sure there was a lot of anger and F-bombs. But when he looked at those guys and he said, hey, this is over, 
Put it aside. We're moving on. We lost this. We are losing these games because of us, and we can control this moving forward. And for them to buy in yeah. and believe him, and in, in, in a split second—that's the thing. It was here's. I wanted Alex Petrangelo, and I love Petro, and he he is one of my favorite players, and he's a great media guy. And I just wanted him to be as mad as I was. I didn't really get an explanation other than uh, I guess there's a different set of rules for two different teams. So I'm sure they'll lose some sleep tonight after looking at it, but. That's all I'm going to say about it. Did you see a hand pass? <laughs> I said that's all I'm going to say about it. Did you get any explanation? No, I said I'm not going to talk about it. I said what I had to say, that's about it. When you say there's a separate set of rules for... I said that's all I'm going to say about it. But a slight dig, and then mm-hmm. we're done here. Again, we're yep, done here. That's all I'm going to say about it. We're done here. Because it would have been probably very therapeutic for those players to go in and just unload to the media and say, right. this is BS. I can't believe this. You know, these these officials should be held accountable, et cetera, et cetera. It would have probably felt so good in that moment to point the finger at just the officials. But again, the Blues could have controlled that game. They could have put it away mm-hmm. if they wanted to. And I think when Craig Berube looked at them and said, you control this, I'm paraphrasing, but you're the ones that can control how this how this plays out from here forward and for them to look at him and put those feelings aside and think about how emotional we all were during the Stanley Cup playoffs the Stanley Cup finals for them to be able to check those emotions buy into what he was saying face the media calm cool collected and then come out the next game and and turn the tide that's why they're champions and this was game three and it would be natural human instinct if the Blues ripped the officials for the officials to start making some ticky-tack calls or borderline calls against the Blues. It was interesting that as that series went on, Peter DeBoer was complaining about the Blues getting the advantage of the officiating. Even though he his team had won a game because of a horrific call, yep. by the time we got to games five and six, he was saying... Why aren't they calling anything against the Blues? And Craig Bruby saying, hey, we're one of the least penalized teams in the league. So I think the the way the Blues handled it probably benefited them in that regard, too. But doesn't that say really all that needs to be said, that the Blues weren't complaining about the calls that were being made and instead were focusing on their yep. play on the ice, whereas the members of the Sharks were letting that consume them mentally? It totally is. And Darren Pang, who joined us yesterday, joins us every Wednesday here on 101 ESPN. He kind of saw the same thing that Michelle heard when she came in the next morning. When that game was over, and, and I was actually talking to Braden Shen yesterday about it, the raw emotion and passion that these players showed, once it was determined that it was a hand pass, I don't think they saw it right away. Jordan Binnington certainly saw it right away. He's staring right at the puck. But once it was confirmed by looking at the video, by, by looking at the huge great jumbotron in in in, in uh, enterprise center and just how angry they were and begging the referee you know almost like that doesn't count let's go back at this thing but what i loved was the resolve that they showed and the composure they showed after the game and that has to do with their head coach they handled it like champions when i saw a couple of the players leave the rink and i asked them a couple of questions and just they were more upset about icing the puck twice after having the lead when David Perron scored in the final minute, final 20 seconds. It was great the way they handled it. I, I've, I've not seen a group of guys handle it that way. And I thought at that moment, I really felt very confident at that moment, getting back on the plane, that, this, that the St. Louis Blues were going to be just fine. And they just beat the Sharks into submission in games four, five, and six, and obviously advanced to the finals and, and won the cup. Cool stuff. Where was your 
emotional? Like, where were you mentally, emotionally after it happened? And then once you left the rink, because you went down to the locker yep. room. I was despondent when I went downstairs. And then I, I wasn't... Uh, I, I think I was. It was all about Randy at that point, and I, I wasn't thinking <laughs> about them. But Amy Marks, of course, who works at KMOX and was covering the Blues at the time, she's just observing the scene, and she says the Blues are going to win this series. I said, "What are you talking about?" She said, "Listen to them and look at the way they're acting." She said, "This doesn't bother them at all. They're going to come back and win this." And she was she was right, and that made me feel better when when I started making it less about me and more about just observing the scene, I started feeling better about it too. And then they did. But it's hard to make it less about you because you are the one that has endured so many heartbreaks. <laughs> right. So you're preconditioned to look at the situation, even though you're watching them do everything you would hope that they would do and say everything that you hope that they would say. You're preconditioned as a Blues fan to say, yeah, but I've seen that before. Yep, Michelle, <laughs> you uh, you said yesterday, hey, can you just, you've got all your curse things. So I'm sitting down last night, the TV's on, and I said, okay, well, I'll do this job that Michelle uh, tasked me to uh, put together the, all the things that the blues are, oh my uh, are gosh. cursed. It's two, it's two full printed pages long. <laughs> All the things that uh, the blues were cursed because of are right there on paper well, that I had to deal with in my lifetime. We're going to have I know we need to get to John Brebbia, yeah. but we're going to have to come back later in the show and have you just read those. Okay, we will. Because it's, it's, it's ne certainly never funny because, you know, a lot of heartbreak. Mm -hmm. A lot of bad things happen. I went into that list there. But the fact that we're still sitting here in the city of champions makes it a little more, you know, palatable. Absolutely. We are going to talk to the Cardinal reliever, the great John Brebbia. He's a fun guy. He's next on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. With Michelle Smallman, I am Randy Carriker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. And great to have John Brebbia, Cardinal reliever, joining us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Good morning. How are you? We're doing well, John, and for all the fans listening, can you just take us through what your routine has been during this quarantine period? Where are you located, and what does your day-to-day -day look like? Uh, yeah, for sure. So uh, I'm down in Florida. The uh, The weather was a little too good to pass up, so my, my wife and son and I stayed down here. Um, and, you know, it's it's been... I'm sure you've heard it before, but it's been a little bit of a groundhog day for, for a lot of people. Um so my, my usual is I, I wake up and I go for a, a little warm-up walk with my son. I throw him in the stroller. We hang out for a little bit. We both eat breakfast together, and then I, I get to the baseball. You know, I work out and do all the things I need to do to prep for, for the season. And, and fortunately, the rest of the day, I get to keep hanging with him. So I, I get a lot of good family time here. John, have you ever thought about the impact that the movie Groundhog Day has had on society? Nobody ever said that before the movie, that it was day after day after day, the yeah. same thing. It's amazing, isn't it? Uh, it it's unbelievable. And, you know, it's uh, obviously in, during something like this, it becomes that much more evident. And it's just, it's so funny because you hear it all the time. And, and I immediately go to Bill Murray, you know, sitting in a car with a groundhog. And it's, it is, it's funny. I, I kind of feel like Puxatani Phil got a bad rap because of that movie. You know, they could have picked, say, Patrick's Day. They really could have picked any holiday to have the same day repeat over and over again, right? <laughs> yeah, we could be sitting here saying it's like St. Patty's Day all over again. <laughs> Everybody would be drunk every day. I was going to say, that might make for a little tougher morning. I don't know how those mornings walk would go for me. <laughs> hey, we, we have to ask, and Danny Mac does the show after us here on 101 ESPN, and he wanted us to ask you, 
because of the uh, the stoppage in play, what's the situation with your beard? Because after you're done playing is when the beard comes off and you start it at spring training. So where does the beard stand right now? Yeah, I, I had to uh, had to find kind of a solution for for what to do. So the I've always told myself that you know when the season starts is when I start growing a beard, and up until then, you know, it's just. You know, whatever's on my face is on my face. I, I shave periodically. Um, and, it, I, you know, unfortunately, well, fortunately, I've never run into a situation like this. Um, but unfortunately, I didn't know what to do about having no season starting. So, you know, I couldn't really grow the beard. But it's also, it's warm outside, you know, in most places. And, and it's weird not having that tradition and that routine of, of tossing away the razor. So... My compromise, I have not started growing a beard because it's not, you know, it's not officially the season yet. But uh, my compromise was that I've got a very, very poor, disgusting-looking mustache on my face. Um, And I I feel like that's a good happy medium. (laughs) Now, with this mustache, John, is it something that you're maintaining? Or is it kind of like the beard where you're just letting it run wild during quarantine? And then once the season starts, you'll reassess. (laughs) <laughs> Unfortunately, it is just kind of there. Um, <laughs> I, I would like to say that it's running wild, but it doesn't. It doesn't really do much. It's just like this. Uh, I don't know this cozy little caterpillar, and it just hangs out there. We're gonna need to get a photo of this so that we can share it on our social media channel so people can see what you're working with. Okay. Well, so I'll see what I can come up with. <laughs> I'm, I'm so impressed by some men, John, because it, it would take me a long time to grow a beard. I remember one time Al Roboski left for the All-Star break. He was clean-shaven. The, the Cardinals had a rule <laughs> at the time that they couldn't have beards or mustaches. The manager wouldn't let him. And he comes back from the All-Star break with, like, a full beard and mustache. It was unbelievable. How quickly <laughs> does yours get going? Um... Gosh, you know, I, I might actually have to check some some in game photographs to to get a a real good idea. But I think that after after a few weeks, I start to maybe two or three weeks, I start to notice like, okay, this is more uh, this is more beard like than it is, you know, hairy facial nuisance. Um, and then once you hit the I don't know the maybe month and a half mark, it's it becomes you know, oh, he's He's got a beard instead of he's growing out a beard. So a lot of different stages. I'm glad you asked. So, John, we know that you're missing baseball. Obviously, all of us here in St. Louis are really missing baseball. But here on Sports Talk Radio, in the absence of games, we've had to come up with interesting things to talk about that pertain to sports. So our friend Mm -hmm. Will Leach at MLB.com did an article where he listed the coolest player on every team in baseball. And we had a debate yesterday, Randy, Danny, Mack, myself, who we thought was the coolest player in baseball and so we should unleash it to you who's the coolest player on the cardinals oh my gosh um oh that's such a good question i don't know we've we've got a we've got a cool team it's gonna be hard to pick i mean you know i could go with myself i'm just a senor rico suave Um, especially on mondays during spring training (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, dressed to the nines. Um, boy, that you know, I I'm not sure. Can I give you like a a ten or eleven way tie for first place on that? I'm not really sure. Well, we'll I mean, tell you, you this. Classic. Yeah, Michelle. Yeah. T- Michelle went with Yachty. I went with yep. Flaherty. Danny Mac went with Wonger. 
Oh, okay. Ooh, and I like that there's the variety. So, yeah, I think that I, Yachty is, you know, your classic cool guy. Um, super cool, very, you know, very relaxed. But obviously, you know, you see him in, in the middle of the game. He gets intense. Uh, Flaherty is clearly the West Coast cool. He's got the, the West Coast cool vibe going. Um, oh, my goodness. And then, of course, oh, gosh, you guys are killing me right now. you got to give me a heads up when you go hard-hitting like this because <laughs> I, I have got to prepare. Um, this is like Mike I, Wallace. No, Mike gonna... Wallace walking into your room. <laughs> you know, he, 60 Minutes is at the door, Mr. Rebia. Yeah, seriously. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try and I'll have a different answer so that we can have even more even more variety. Okay. Um, let's see. Let's see. I'm going to go ahead and say... I'm going to say Bader. We have we have our we have our Colton. We have our Yachty. We have the West Coast Jack. We got to go East Coast, right? So, so I'm going to have to say Bader. And uh, I know we, when we have Miles Michaelis on, he's very proud of his hair. And Bader has <laughs> great hair. I mean, that's that's one of the great battles in sports, right there. Who has the best flow on the Cardinals? <sighs> it, it is, yeah. You know, it's. It's two distinct styles. It's like saying, you know, what's the best fruit? You know, is it an apple or is it an orange? It's hard to compare. I believe there's a saying about something like that, too. Be. You know, you can't compare carrots to carrots or whatever it is. Um, but, but I, you know, right now, I haven't seen Bader in a little bit. I, I saw Miles not too terribly long ago, and he's looking... He's looking pretty sharp, so I'm going to have to lean towards Miles right now. John, I think when we're making these picks, a lot of our choices are predicated on style, whether it's Bader's flow or <laughs> the way that Flaherty dresses. But taking all of that kind of aesthetic stuff away, who's somebody on the team mm -hmm. that is just a sneaky, cool person? It, it doesn't matter about style, clothes, anything, just that you would say, that's a cool guy. Mm. Um, man, you know, it is hard to pick because I think that I think that our team has so many... Oh, there's so many cool people. Everyone gets along so well. Would you rather um, tell us the biggest dork on the team? <laughs> I, that, well, that's an easy one. I am the biggest dork on the team. And it's, unfortunately, it's not even close. I'm, I'm doing what I can to kind of work backwards, but, uh, but it's hard. It's hard for me to, to undorkify, <laughs> and I don't think I'm terribly successful at it. But but sneaky cool is a good one. I Paul, I'll go Paul DeYoung. I I Paul DeYoung is a sneaky cool guy. Great call. I've spent a lot of time with him in the minor leagues too, so I, I've gotten to know him fairly well, and I, I like Paul a lot. John Brebby with us on 101 ESPN. Let's talk just a little bit about what's going on. How much communication, if any, are you getting about when things might start up? Uh, yeah, so there's there's a little bit here and there. Uh, unfortunately, most of the news that we hear uh, comes from uh, either social media or different articles written that that aren't kind of vetted through the proper channels. So, I, from what it looks like right now, I think Major League Baseball and the Players Association are trying to collaborate on on how to get the season going. Um, so, you know it. It may not start immediately, but at least it looks like there's going to be some groundwork laid pretty soon, and I think that's really exciting because once we have once we have a little bit more information, we can we can start to piece together what a season's going to look like, and and even if it's not immediately, at least it gives us something to prepare for. And John, based on what we're hearing, if there's a three week spring training and we have to 
rush out of the gate. I, I've said on the mm-hmm. air here, I think that it really benefits the Cardinals because you have so many major league pitchers on your staff. Can you just mm-hmm. put that in perspective for us? It seems to me like you guys have 18, 19 guys that could pitch in the majors, which really in a situation like this, if starters are going three, works to your advantage. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, if if St. Louis wants an American League team, I feel like we could just sort of split the National League St. Louis Cardinals up and, and you'd have two really quality Major League teams. It's it's a little bit scary to think about, um, but absolutely, you know, if again, if what we're hearing is is accurate or even moderately accurate, um, and there's expanded rosters or a shortened spring training, I think there's a huge advantage to having a lot of prepared arms. Um, I, I can't imagine there's anyone on the team who's who's not going to be ready to. You know, all of our starters are going to be ready to throw. 10 innings right out of the gate. Um, so I, I think that it only helps even more that there are more than five starters that can do that. There are more than seven or eight relievers that are going to be able to do that. Um, so with an expanded roster, it's it's a really, really nice advantage to have in, in a situation like this when we're just not really sure how it's going to play out. Well, it's great to hear your voice. We appreciate you taking some time with us this morning. We know that uh, you've got a birthday coming up in a couple of weeks, and then your son turns uh, one in June, right? What's the date for that? Yeah, yeah, June 30th. Yeah, so he's a... Wow, wow. It went by quick, right? Jeez. It flies by. I've heard it's like this, though. I've heard it all goes by fast. (laughs) Yeah, it does. And that's why, hey, and I tell my kids, and I was stupid. I quit taking pictures. Never stop taking pictures. (laughs) (laughs) That's all, I'll, I'll have to take them on a on a better phone. I've got an old phone, and they're all grainy. So <laughs> I'll get my wife to take one. <laughs> Sounds good. Hey, John, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Hopefully we'll see you soon, and hopefully we can talk again soon. That sounds good. Yeah, I'd like that. All right, take care. Thanks. You're well. Thank you. That is John Brebby. He's fun. Joining us on 101 ESPN. It's great to hear, though, that, you know, he's enjoying his time in Florida with his family, but that he's also getting those baseball activities in. And it seems like any player you talk to or really hear from that they're itching to get this thing started. Yeah, and hopefully Major League Baseball and the Players Association will be able to work through the health issues and the money issues and hopefully get on the field uh, as spring training would start in that second week of June. Next up, we've got Take It or Leave It. Freeze Pops has some questions for us. That's next with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Hey, don't forget to buy your Dunctionary t-shirt courtesy of our friends at MPG Tandem. Proceeds from all sales will be donated to the Chris Duncan Memorial Scholarship Fund. Find that shirt at 101ESPN.com. And one of the definitions that it will have is Jackerton which is a boomski. And a boomski is a fair hit that allows the batter to make a complete circuit of the bases without stopping to and uh, scoring a run. So uh, you've got Jackerton on there on your Dunctionary t-shirt. Don't get a lot of synonyms for home run. Yeah, he did. He hit a few. Yes, he did. All right, it is time now for Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Freeze Pops is back with us. His machine, his... Uh, 
broadcasting machine literally blew up yesterday during the fight. And I think they might have caused a fire or an explosion in the house. I don't know. I'm not sure. But he's with us now. How you doing? And uh, how's that machine doing? It was, a, it was a small fire, but we were able to put it out quickly. Luckily, I had a cup of water nearby. But yeah, I was mid-sentence talking to Michelle, and my unit just completely fried. <laughs> so it was a little awkward for uh, us on the air for a second there, but I think we managed okay. Did everything work out, Michelle? I didn't hear the rest of the show. You know, free swaps I can see on the screen here, and I, I heard it pop, and then I saw the look on your face, and I was like, I will just go ahead from here. I think we're good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you got to love radio. All right, guys, first question here. The Texas Rangers build a new stadium that was set to debut this season, but obviously that's been put on hold. But it's going to get some use as they're holding the Concert in Your Car series starting in early June, which will work the same way a drive-in movie theater works. 1,000 parking spots, $40 a vehicle, and fans can listen to an acoustic performance on an FM signal. Attending a concert in a car would be fun. Take it or leave it. I'm taking it. At this point, we've got to get creative with some of the stuff that we want to do until we can actually get out there and be in a mosh pit and be in big groups at concerts. This is something I would definitely check out. I will take it, and I will add that somebody should bring back drive-in movies. You've got all these massive parking lots that are being unused. It's really easy to get a giant screen put up, and all you need to do is get a Bluetooth speaker. Everybody gets a Bluetooth speaker, and you can listen that way. I think those are great ideas. Randy, may I introduce you to the very famous and very wonderful Skyview Drive-In Movie Theater in Belleville, Illinois? It's still there? Yes, I it is still there, it and still I believe there. it's still open. I need to get a research on that, but I believe it's open, so you should definitely pack up the car, head down to Belleville, and check out a movie at Skyview. Definitely, because they should be showing some classics right now and i'll pay the price for it no doubt well that guys you, you lead right into my follow-up question even in 2020 going to the drive-in is still a good date option take it or leave it i'm going to take it it's probably not like it was when we didn't have consoles in the middle of the front seat but it's still an effective <laughs> date option randy wow oh my god <laughs> I'm going to take it because even before the pandemic, I think it's a good date option because when you're going to the movies normally, you can't talk to your date. You're just mm -hmm. sitting in the theater in complete oh, silence. Point. At least in the in the drive-in, if you got the windows up, you're listening to the movie or watching it, you can kind of have a side conversation if you want to. Good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so if you're going to the drive-in, are you going to go to the concession stand uh, in normal times, not obviously pandemic mm -hmm. time? Are you going to go to the concession stand or not first date? later date or are you going to get all your stuff beforehand when you drive in oh you're getting your stuff beforehand well i would love to you know patronize the drive-in in many different ways isn't part of the beauty of going to the drive-in the fact that you can bring your own snacks and byob yes yeah pretty impressive that you can actually watch a movie that you haven't seen before be out and have all of the comforts and amenities of home i mean think about it if i were to walk into a normal movie theater with a box of entman's donuts i would get some side eye and probably say hey you can't do that if i'm rolling up to a drive-in i can just pull those bad boys out from under my seat and go to town entman's used to make these cupcakes with like quarter inch to a half inch um chocolate hard chocolate topping Ooh. they were awesome entman's was great 
There are a few things in life better than an Entenmann's crumble donut, you know, oh, with yeah. the crumbles on the top. Slightly heated. I believe really? the correct temperature is 13 seconds. You get that bad boy and you get it heated up, but then it's not It's not too hot and it's not too melty. Mm-hmm. It's just enough. Do you go with the chocolate or the the standard non-chocolate? Oh, I go, I go strictly standard non-chocolate crumbles mm-hmm. okay. all the time. Because I go with the chocolate ones. So I've heard, I have people that I very much trust in the snack department that have said, you gotta go Entenmann's chocolates. And I just, you know, when I was growing up, I wasn't really allowed to eat stuff like that at home. So whenever I would go to my grandma's house, she would have the Entenmann's donuts. And it was such a such a treat for me. I mean, I still have, I probably haven't had one in years. But if I'm going Entenmann's, I'm going with my classic, I know this is going to be amazing, crumble donut. We're going to, one of these days, pretty soon, we're going to have those. <laughs> Uh, I got research on this, guys. Skyview still open, and it reopened uh, last Friday, May 8th. So All there right. You go. There you go. I thought I saw something on social media about that. Big weekend plans. Shout out, Belleville. <laughs> All right, guys. It's being circulated on the Twitter sphere yesterday that Roger Goodell has been lying about having career-ending <laughs> football injuries. Goodell lying about anything is the least surprising thing in the world. Take it or leave it. Yeah, I think we might have to take that. Like, uh, how about the Super Bowl in New York 2014 when he was asked about Stan Kroenke buying the land in L.A. And he said, well, Stan Kroenke buys land all over the world. He's never told us that he's buying land to build a football stadium. When the NFL had looked at the land to buy the uh, to build a stadium in the past and Kroenke had specifically told Goodell that, yeah, that's a great piece of land. We should use that for a football stadium. Yeah, he's one of the biggest liars in the world. If Goodell is breathing, he is lying. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's to the point where I wonder how much of a percentage of what he says is, in fact, the truth. I would say less than 50. Right. And I, I think it'd be awesome with the St. Louis attorneys if they would get him on the stand to just have him try to explain himself in just in terms of the St. Louis move because I think he would get tied up into knots. Well, I think they should also ask him this question about career-ending football injuries. I mean, if he's on the stand and he admits that he lied about that, that shows that he has a history of, of lying and not being truthful. That's a great point. And honestly, that would get a lot of play. <laughs> Thanks, Freeze Pops. Thanks, guys. And thank you for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. By the way, at the bottom of the 8 o'clock hour, we're going to have the fight at 8.30, and you can text the word FIGHT to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. If If you'd like to participate, maybe Freeze Pops will pick you out. But all you have to do is text the word FIGHT to 65780. Next up, uh, we are going to talk about dreams and nightmares. We're going to bear our souls here on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.